Greetings, Northlings, and welcome to Haunted Up North. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> that was great. I like the arm movements as well. Brilliant. No one can see that. babies <laughs> yo babies yo babies it's me the host of this freaking fright fest of a podcast dedicated to the telling of real life paranormal experiences from within the northern landscapes of the united kingdom i really hope you find yourselves scintillated scared and most importantly entertained by the spectral tales you're about to hear today because jess is here hello hi that I'm was jess back, you heard at the baby. beginning yeah babies <laughs> Jess is a famous artist. <laughs> do we have to do this intro every yeah, time? Yeah, it's in? tradition. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> well, I think that you are a famous artist and author who lowers herself every now and then give ah, to, appear, to appear on my podcast. What a true friend you are. Uh, this will be your third lowering to date. Uh-huh. It's not lowering. It's a privilege. <laughs> well, we've talked about a few things together on here. Mm-hmm. We've talked about poor dead ladies and trees. Mm-hmm. We've talked about computer ghosts, mm-hmm. and today we're going to be talking about something else quite ghostly that's oh. presumably close to your heart, one might presume. <laughs> I'm yes. talking to you. Yes. 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 So, about a month ago, I went to an evening with Most Haunted, I haven't told you about this yet, yes. uh, at the Royal Hall in Harrogate. And for anyone who doesn't know what Most Haunted is... Where um, have you been? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Are you a newborn? And you must have listened to this podcast before, because I mentioned this TV show on here countless times already. Most Haunted is a British paranormal reality TV series presented by Yvette Fielding, Paranormal Girl Boss. Let's call her that, because it's true. And it investigates purported paranormal activity in a range of locations, mainly within the United Kingdom. Over 300 episodes have been broadcast to date, and it was first shown on Living TV. I don't know if you need to know all this, but I'm going to say uh, <laughs> Living TV between 2002 and 2010. Me and my mum were obsessed. Yeah, I, it, it was the original paranormal oh, yeah. reality TV show before even Ghost Adventures. I go on about it a lot because they were the original pioneers of paranormal reality entertainment and it was an incredibly successful show and it still is and I have to say I did really enjoy being in the same room as Yvette Fielding when I saw her at Harrogate Royal Hall they basically they they showed clips of their most active investigations and talked about their experiences and answered audience questions and they did a backstage investigation with some volunteers from the crowd and they had a seance going on at the same time with a Ouija board and the glass finger thing, and we all watch them do it. Nice. In silence. <laughs> Just <laughs> watching. Uh, but Harrogate Royal Hall is apparently haunted, according to Yvette. I mean, it's pretty but, old, isn't it? Yeah, but I can't remember what by she who? said it was haunted by. And I can't find Derek anything Acorn. online. It was built in 19... 19- yeah. <laughs> he was there too. <laughs> in spirit. Yeah. He uh, manifested through the glass as a small version of himself trapped within in a glass (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah there must be a ghost knocking about there but it was good and it got me thinking about theater ghosts and i knew you and i had a podcast chat booked and i remembered that this kind of subject the subject of theaters and theater ghosts is probably right up your street because you had quite an illustrious theatrical career, didn't you? Before you became Again, an illustrator, boost- author and designer. <laughs> we are very much boosting my actual accolades. Well, it's not true. Work. It's not a lie. I'm not lying. <laughs> I was I was a, uh, a theatre child, shall we say, that yes, uh, I spent many a day performing in different things, yeah, in different and, places. And you actually performed in Harrogate Royal Hall. I did. This was a that was a long time ago, but the the one that I because so if we're going to talk about Harrogate, it was the other theatre that I had a spooky experience. <gasps> well, we'll get to. I've saved okay. that for the very yeah. end because <laughs> um, that'll be exciting. Nice. But you were also nearly 
Hermione from Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't think we can say I was nearly Hermione. I got through to some stages of the Harry po- at the Hermione auditions. But weren't you um, like the sixth in line to the Hermione throne? I was. I got through to the third stage of auditions. That's amazing. Yeah. So how many people cool. were left then? I have no Did idea. you meet Emma Watson? No. And do you hate her? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why uh, not? I didn't. Well, she stole I, your Hermione. I auditioned for Hermione the first day. The first, like it was an open audition was that one, which everybody like you know. <laughs> They went around the country just like taking on kids and letting them like like basically stand in a queue for hours and then read a line. And I didn't. I didn't know that. Okay, well that's what they did for the three main characters, and uh, I got a call back for that, and then I got another call back for that. So that was Ooh. very cool. And then I actually also auditioned for speaking of ghosts, Moaning Myrtle. That was like a video audition that I had to send to the. I guess whoever it was, but my, I had an, like a childhood agent at that time oh who um, who got us to audition for that. And I, I also auditioned for Luna Lovegood. And I'm that good at acting that I got none of them. So <laughs> I can, no, I've seen you act. <laughs> Have you? Um, I'm sure I've seen you act. I don't know. I've seen you perform in a karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> no, but it was really good. It was better than any karaoke I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, God. There was some kind of leg movements going on. And, oh, I um, did the splits. I think yeah, that was splits. That. And that you were a really good, really good singer as well. well. I don't think so. But so I would have given you the very part. Very complimentary. I can, see, I can see you as Hermione, though, totally. Oh, and, well, uh, it would have been nice to have her bank balance, but alas, uh, well, I draw know, pictures. That's you'll my be thing. leaving her in the dust before long with your um, famousness <laughs> okay, and your sure. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> True. So the theatres you've performed in yes. have been the Alhambra Theatre in Bradford, yes. the Grand Opera House York, yes. the Palace Theatre London yes. and Harrogate Royal Hall. Yes. Where I went to see Most Haunted and Harrogate Theatre. And Harrogate Theatre. Which is a different theatre. It is. But also in Harrogate. And also and, old. Yes. And I, I've seen quite a few pantomimes there. Mm. Well, it was a pantomime that I was in. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was it a Christmas one? It was. Dick Whittington. Oh. What did you play? Uh, what the class is a sunbeam. So basically the <laughs> children, the, I don't know if they still do it. I haven't seen a panto in years. But they used to pantomimes basically would have a lot of children who were acted and performed in it and they were classed as they were called sunbeams so you would apply and be a sunbeam and they would it was like i actually had to time off school oh two seconds my my sound um oh it's hard to explain (laughs) basically our sound system to the telly is rigged up via Uh, some kind of hi-fi and then if it's been turned off for a while it goes nice oh what were you saying no it's all right um so yeah sunbeams you just like basically get picked from a handful of other children and then you perform in them but um i've done quite a few pantomimes because the one at the one of the performances i did at the Amber was a pantomime and the one at york was a pantomime um so yeah cool cool but you've performed in all those theatres, and I'm sure you have loads of interesting stories from when you trod the boards, treaded them, <laughs> walked on the boards. Yes. <laughs> but the Good. stories I'm most interested in hearing are stories relating to spooky things, of spooky goings on, and any paranormal experiences you may have had inside those theatres. Of course. So we're going to talk about some of the ghosts that have been reported in these theatres, which nice. might freak us out. Well, I don't actually know. I never Googled or anything, because obviously Google wasn't a thing when I was a kid. <laughs> And then, since then, I've not even thought about what there is there. So I'm very excited to see if you. they ever in, like, line up with any of my spooky experiences. Get ready for a lengthy process. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to... This is silly. We're going to start with the Alhambra Theatre. Okay. It's very close to home, close to Howarth. It's in Bradford. It's Howarth in is where we, I, we currently live. Yeah. Not but, together. No. Not, not unfortunately. How cool would that be? I'd love be? to live with you. But not that... <laughs> Martin's great, don't yeah. get me wrong, but you say the right things <laughs> to make me stop crying <laughs> and things like that. Uh, so I'm going to be honest, I presume there would be a ghost or two connected with the Alhambra in Bradford, and quite possibly there is, but I couldn't find any mention of, oh. Al- any, any mention of Alhambra ghosts online. So instead, <laughs> instead of telling you a ghost story about the Alhambra Theatre in Bradford, I'm going to tell you one about the Alhambra Theatre in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, right. <laughs> It's all I could do to fix this situation. Fine. So big spooky shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, all the way from Howarth. 
What's your chair? Bit of a weird start, but there we go. I'll talk about the history of the Alhambra first, and then we'll chat about the one in Florida. Fine. Silly me. So the Alhambra Theatre in Bradford, on Morley Street in Bradford, West Yorkshire, England, is a stunning Grade 2 listed building named after the renowned Alhambra Palace in Granada, Spain. Me and the Chuckle Brothers hung out there. Well, I've actually written down here, <laughs> Chuckle Brothers, question mark. So we're it getting, is, yeah. it's not far down, but yeah. <laughs> Constructed in 1913 at a cost of £20,000. Wow. It officially opened its doors on Wednesday, 18th of March, 1914. In 1964, the Bradford City Council, are you interested in this? I am. Acquired the Alhambra for £78,900. Wow. And by 1974, it received the prestigious Grade 2 listing-ness of a protected building in its Grade 2 listedness. <laughs> that yes. was a very... I, I missed half of the words out in that sentence. I don't know how to fix Brilliant. that either. Uh, undergoing significant refurbishment, in 1986, the Alhambra Theatre has since become a prominent receiving house for a diverse range of large-scale touring theatrical productions. The main house boasts a seating capacity of 1,456. Very precise. Remember that number. It stands out... You don't need to remember that. Okay. It stands out as <laughs> a prominent feature in the Bradford skyline and it's particularly iconic because of its distinctive large domed turret. Yes. So I've I've been to the Alhambra a lot over the years. I might have seen you. I'm hoping to see the ghost, you know, the ghost story by... Uh... <gasps> Oh, what's his face? Danny Robbins. Wonderful Danny, Danny Robbins. I haven't booked it. Have you booked yours? No, but I'm hoping there's still space in. Uh, what uh, Alhambra Theatre productions have you been in during your time as a thespian? Uh, well, I've, thespian. So I've been in another Dick Whittington. That was the one that was there with the good old Chuckle Brothers. Um, Chuckle Brothers? Question yeah. mark. <laughs> and huh? then I've been in some productions of like... Where it's basically when you go to when you're a stage school child, they put on like yearly productions of like things that you just like they put on a performance. And I've done a couple of those with the stage school that I was at, nice. doing various things like extracts from Bugsy Malone and oh my God. boring things. <laughs> no, Bugsy Malone, people love. I hate Bugsy Malone. <laughs> I, like, I hate the film. I just hate yeah. it so much. I mean, I don't have any sort of like. I'm not saying I'm wrong. For Bugsy Malone. I'm totally wrong. But not, I cannot do it. I can't do Children it. Children acting and well, they're the worst. Well, <laughs> I'm just... Is it Jodie Foster? Who's yeah. That? I just... What Tallulah. are you doing being a six, sexy Tallulah? And, it, the song <laughs> and you're like 10. It goes on forever and ever. No <laughs> name it's just is Tallulah. <laughs> I don't think she... Oh, who is she? No, maybe she is Tallulah. No, somebody... Yeah, no, she is Tallulah. I don't yeah. usually say I hate things on here, but Bugsy Malone, I just get very upset. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not... So upset. Uh, but I'm I sure, don't you, feel I'm sure a, it's fine. a close affinity to it. You're we, all right. No, you don't have to justify being in it. I should justify myself being in it. I didn't get a choice. I just got told what to perform. <laughs> Were you Tallulah? No. Good. <laughs> the worst one. I was Blousy Brown, which oh, yeah. she was the boring one. Oh, <laughs> I like the actually I like sound of her. She didn't sound. Uh, yeah, but I did. Yeah, all good. Chuckle Brothers? Question mark. Yeah, Chuckle Brothers. Go on. It was very weird. I feel like I'm like going to get like sued if I talk about the Chuckle well, Brothers. One of them's not here anymore. Oh, is he not? Which one's dead? I want to say to Barry. Me, to me. Sherlock. To me. Forever. Just to me. Not to you. <laughs> That's sad. Um, hang on, Chuckle Brothers dead. Which one? <laughs> Good. Oh, I shouldn't say it like that. Is it? Um, I can't remember the names. Paul and Paul and Barry. Or is it Paul? Paul. Or is it Barry? So I think yeah, Barry died. Barry died in two thousand nineteen. In Rotherham. Aww. Is that where they're from, Rotherham? Well, it was a weird one because the whole of the yeah, pantomimes yeah. run for quite a while. They run for like two months. And so it's quite a long time that you're in this production. I mean, not in terms of stage production, but as a kid, like normally you just do like a few performances or something and then you move on with your life. But as a kid, for being in a pantomime, you're in, in it for quite a while. And there's all the rehearsals and stuff before. But yeah, the Chuckle Brothers, they stayed in like a camper van outside the back of the, the Alhambra the whole time we were there. Which makes sense, really. It's probably cheaper than a hotel. Um, um, but they had sons with matching mullets that had the same mullets as them, <laughs> like them. And then they were kind of our age. And they'd like, yeah, it was just a bit weird. They'd kind of be in the corridors when you were like going around. And you'd be like, why are these kids here? And the Chuckle Brothers kept swearing <laughs> when they were around the I children. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> 
<laughs> but none of that is true. Do not come to me. Do not sue me. It's all good. <laughs> well, no, you're allowed. No, that's you won't they're get allowed to swear. And they're swear. allowed mullet. It's just children. surprising. You don't because they're children's entertainers. I know. But, but it guess... was also Lisa Riley was in it, and oh. she was so lovely. Oh, if she... anyone remembers Lisa Riley, yeah. she was a Dingle in Emmerdale. Emmerdale. Was she Mandy? And Mandy Dingle. Yes, she was Mandy Dingle, and she was so lovely. Oh, and she was the fairy nice. godmother, and she was really kind and very cuddly. And I had to do a dance with her, and it was really sweet. And she was just really very nice. Oh, she was she very was friendly. My so that was nice. Um, but I actually had no spooky experiences in the Alhambra in any of the occasions that I was there. Was Pretty gonna... spooky in the street outside on a, on a Friday night, but yeah, Bradford's <laughs> Bradford's basically like um, Jack the Ripper London. Some bits of it, yeah, which I like. That's a compliment from me. We I, had to quite, walk. Some of the they're actually really... filling it in at the moment in Bradford, filling the Alhambra, a... filling no. the whole of Bradford in. <laughs> <laughs> Just dropping concrete in the centre. No, they, but they. Uh... No. <laughs> no, I love Bradford. I, 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 I do here. like Bradford. I do um, like Bradford. But they, there was like a walkway that goes underneath some of the road to get to a multi-story and we'd always park in the multi-story and then it was like the show would finish and you wouldn't get out until like half 11 midnight. So my mum with her, me, little seven-year-old me walking us underneath this thing, it was pretty spooky, pretty stabby, but never got stabbed. So <laughs> good. Huzzah. I was going to say about the Chuckle Brothers and the swearing, it sort of feels like you're not allowed to say that they were human and <laughs> I know, yeah, just normal people. Yeah. I mean, they weren't doing it outright in front of us, but obviously we're all around each other and if we're having a fag outside and we're coming in for rehearsals, then, you know, you might just hear the odd swear word. I once... But met. I remember looking at my mum like, oh, <laughs> yeah. the Chuckle Brothers! <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. They should, have, they should have kept up the... Uh, <laughs> the facade. Yeah. I once met Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen because I... When I was a kid in the 90s, changing rooms was a big thing. Uh-huh. And I got a bit obsessed with Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen just because oh, yeah. he had long hair like my dad. And I was like, nice. someone's got long hair like my dad. And so when I was working at the the place of work that you and I met each other at, uh-huh. I used to have this wall full of Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen pictures. <laughs> Actually, as a joke. This. It was a joke. And I just kept adding to it. I just kept adding and adding to it because it just became quite funny. And then the guy who was the creative director at the time used to go past and uh-huh. like say, why have you got all these pictures of Lawrence Lambeau? And I said, it's just something silly. But he mistook it for an actual obsession. And he was friends with Lawrence Lambeau. Oh, God. Because I think there was some kind of business yeah. thing going on. Like I think Lawrence designed some things for the company or something. Okay. Um, and he... Yeah, so he knew Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, and he got him to judge. Um, it was like a Mother's Day themed competition, <laughs> photography competition through the company that we work for. Oh, and God. the pictures, the entries were on display in Salt's Mill, <laughs> and he got Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen to like be the judge oh, right. of all these pictures. And uh, and he said, Vic, why don't you come down and meet Lawrence? <laughs> so I wasn't going to say no, but like when I got there. Like, Lawrence thought that I was... You loved him. He told... This guy had oh told Lawrence gosh, that I was obsessed. a super fan. <laughs> and so he was like, oh... And he was paying... Like, he was trying... He was a very dry man off camera. Very, very yeah. dry. Like, when he was on camera, he was, like, really, you know, his usual flamboyant yeah. style. But he was trying to make, like... He was obviously... He obviously couldn't care less about life, <laughs> really. He's just very dry. Fair enough. And so what he was trying to make me feel like a bit, not in a creepy way at all. No. But a bit special. Oh, right. And I was like, you don't, need, me. you don't need to, well, it, sort of. Oh, no, no, not in a creepy way. I there's do nothing, know story. Nothing happened. No, there's nothing creepy about Lawrence. But I was like, you don't need to do this. And I'd brought some friends from the studio with me. And then uh, I had a bag with me. And he said, he said, oh, I love your bag. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. I said, it's from Marks and Spencers. My grandma bought me it from Marks and Spencers. And he went, oh, never mind. <laughs> and then and then, as he was going around these pictures, he was like, these pictures are great, aren't they? These Mother's Day pictures. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he said, I hated my mother. She was a bitch and she can rot in hell. And I didn't know what to say to any of this. And then eventually, like, someone was like, Vic, do you want a picture with Lawrence? And I was like, oh, okay. And then a chaise lounge appeared. I remember A red velvet, <laughs> gold-trimmed chaise lounge. I liked when I was just sit. wheeled on next to you. Like... But he, like, he draped his legs across half of the chaise lounge. We all just squished. He's like, I'm not sitting like a normal person. I'm Lawrence Lawrence Bowen. Lawrence, Lawrence, I drape, bitch. I don't sit. 
So I took, but it was it was very like everyone's amused in this picture, including Lawrence Llewellyn, including me. And then there's my we had an American manager, like a writing yeah. manager. She'd come over from Kansas. She didn't know who Lawrence was at all, so she stood at the end on this chaise lounge, just looking more confused than anyone. Just like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the photo of weirdness. So I hope you still have it. I have that picture. Yeah, I'll put Good. it. I'll put it Never. out there for everyone to look at. Yeah, I'll have to ask brilliant. permission of everyone else first. That's uh, but the reason I would mention this story, out. you are. You could just block the faces out. Yeah. Yeah. No, because it's so funny with the oh, faces. Oh, yeah, okay. Everyone looking at We'll see. But the reason why I told this story is because, uh-huh. like, people are so good at acting, aren't they? Yeah. A certain persona, and then the moment it slips, it's like oh, a yeah, completely different, different person. person. Yeah. It's like comedians, apparently, when they, like, hang out with them, they're just not very funny. Yeah, I wonder what it is. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> Rumour has it. Um. So all the way from Bradford, England, We're off to, to Jacksonville, Jackson. Florida. Yeah. Here's a little bit about the ghosts of the Alhambra's American namesake. Actually, first I'll tell you about it. So established <laughs> established in 1967. It's quite recent, isn't it? Mm. Compared to our silly British well, old things. Yeah. Uh, established by Theatre Partners. That's the name of the thing. Oh. Theatre Partners. Fine. Whatever. The Alhambra Theatre and Dining, located in Jacksonville, Florida, proudly holds the title of the longest continuously operating professional dinner theatre in the United States. Wow. It stands as the sole professional resident theatre in northeast Florida. You're, you're pretending to be interested. You're like, oh, oh wow, oh, dining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, have you performed there by any chance? No. Yeah, still time. Never even been to Jacksonville. Right. But it's a good job you haven't performed there because in this particular venue, staff <gasps> and visitors mm-hmm. have witnessed a handful of frightening apparitions, oh, one of which is believed to be a dedicated handyman who maintained the Alhambra during the early 1970s. Oh. Alongside him, his wife worked as a housekeeper, and together they devoted countless nights to the theatre. An unfortunate incident occurred when one night the handyman's wife sought him out backstage and discovered him on the floor of a dressing room having suffered a heart attack. Despite her husband's passing, she continued her work at the theatre for many years, expressing a sense that he was still somehow present inside the building. Many are convinced that the shadowy figure observed in one particular hallway is none other than her departed husband. That's departed husband, not departed husband. (laughs) In the early 90s, the wife also passed away, and there are speculations that she rejoined her husband in the place they both cherished. Witnesses have reported sightings of their spectral forms wandering through the backstage and halls of the Alhambra, with photographic evidence even capturing the husband watching a show from backstage. I can't find this picture. Oh. Sorry. Somebody said it, not sharing it. No. Another lingering presence at the Alhambra is that of Mr. Henry, a beloved former employee who died during the 1990s. Tales have circulated about furniture mysteriously moving and unexplained sounds emanating from vacant rooms. Further eerie encounters include reports of hearing a man's footsteps echoing through an otherwise empty library. The box office staff recount instances where they've distinctly heard someone settling into Mr. Henry's office chair, only to find the seat unoccupied. That would scare me. The thing, that's, that's the thing they utilise in horror films loads, isn't it? The sitting of a, compre- on beds yeah, and stuff. The stuff compression. that like, le- is like someone being imprinting in this world. Yes. Situated at the intersection of Clifford Street and Cumberland Street in York, North Yorkshire, England, the Grand Opera House is our next subject of supernaturally theatrical what, interest. What, what? what did you do in there? What plays that was did you an, play? That was, uh, I've been in two things. I've been in a production of Red Shoes, which What's is a Red dance Shoes? show. It's a story about like a girl Dorothy. who's, no, oh. a girl who like basically has a pair of red shoes and then they make her dance when she wears them. Mm-hmm. But it's like a dance show. So I did that. Um, and then I was in, I think it was Cinderella, if I remember off the top of my head. Another pantomime, another sunbeam. Yeah, there. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. All these years. What yeah. years were you doing it from till? Um... Oh, I don't remember. If I, I do have it all down. Like I've got a whole um, folder <laughs> of stuff that I did back then and like 
awards and all that sort of jazz. But I can't, I honestly can't remember. But it was probably from the age of like seven to like 15, 16. No, older, yeah, 16, 17. Why did you start? Um, Well, I was literally committed to going the whole hog and was like, I I was doing my GCSEs and I'd pick, I went to a secondary uh, school that literally was for the performing arts that was in Leeds. So like Ooh. half the year, intake of the year was people who had auditioned and then the other half was like a just a standard school. Um, and you still <laughs> did your lessons, but also there was like auditions. It was a very, but I went to sixth form there and I was all committed the first year of doing it. And I told my mum I was going to go to New York. I was going to audition for a stage school type um university basically and do that and then I think as I was doing it you know you get distracted by boys and all that jazz yeah and then Mm. I kind of was like oh do I want to go to New York and do I want to do that and maybe I want to hang out with my friends and not go and I kind of just lost a bit of the sparkle and excitement of it and I also think I was a bit I was very much a homebody uh, when I was little and I think it's the closer it was coming the more it was like do I want to go to New York do I even yeah. want to go to London and also how will I get a job and there's so many people competing and obviously by this point I'd done so many auditions of different things and some stuff I got some stuff didn't but you're like there's so many people who turn up for these same things that you want to do that I was like I might never make it I might never get anywhere which is obviously not the right attitude to have but I had another passion, which was art. Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah. And I was studying that at the same time because this place, they were good for the performing arts, but they were also good for the visual arts. And so I basically came back a year and did my A-levels again, but picked visual arts and the rest is history. There could have been something in your instinct saying, because you hear a lot of horror stories. Yeah. Like, and I know things are changing and I'm not saying this is... It's just that classic are. trope, isn't it, of like struggling people auditioning and then like... Ugh. And you don't know who you're falling prey to, yeah. especially at such a young age and going away from home. Maybe mm. you were like, that's unsafe, actually. Maybe. And I'm not saying people should have that attitude no. entirely, but... But I also think I didn't want to just be like, you know, working in a bar and constantly auditioning every week and desperately trying to get my foot in the door of these things and not you know and also it's very hard as a as a woman that you know you judged a lot in these auditions and at that point obviously was a teenager and I was having then these auditions for more like adult roles and like things where like I'd done auditions before for things where it's like oh and this will be a sex scene and I was just like oh this is making me feel like I don't even feel comfortable in my body let alone letting other people see me in my underwear so yeah I think it, the whole thing just kind of stopped being as alluring when you become more in the adult realm so it wasn't um it it was transitioning away from hobby yeah and fun and yeah. in, in extra and I still miss it like I do miss performing and shows and the buzz of all that and learning scripts and doing all of that sort of thing but equally I'm very happy with my life yeah you can always go back into it can't you as yeah, a hobby I could just do some amdram well, you could, though. Yeah. Or you could even just audition for films. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, isn't it something, like, People ridiculous, like Dame Mirren or something, like, somebody did something, was, like, later in life, they were in there. Like, oh, what's his name? Who played... Buster Mayfield. Well, yeah. And Only Fills and Horses. Is his name Buster Mayfield? Yeah, maybe, Uncle but Albert. he was, like, super old. Maybe I'll do that. Manager. Maybe I'll be, like, really old person, just because, go back into it. <laughs> get an agent. Well, if you get bored of that, you can go back into that. Yeah. I don't exactly. think you're going to get bored of that, but you no. might just think, oh, God. No more <laughs> art, please. <laughs> yeah. But York. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking York. about. <laughs> the Grand Opera House York serves as a vibrant venue for touring productions, encompassing plays, musicals, opera and ballet, as most of the theatres do. Originally established in the mid-1860s as a corn exchange. There's so many corn exchanges in Britain, isn't there? Always Uh, exchanging corn. Yes. Love corn. Here's some corn. Can I have some corn? corn? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's a grade two listed building, again, and it underwent a transformation into a music hall in the early 20th century, ultimately earning the name Grand Opera House in 1902. The theatre boasts a rich history marked by various changes, such as its temporary rebranding as the Empire Theatre in 1916, diverse uses including bingo and roller skating in the 1950s, and a temporary closure in 1985. Despite facing financial challenges in 1991, the Grand Opera House found stability under the ownership of the Ambassador Theatre Group acquired in 2009. Nice. According to staff... 
The theatre is also home to a host of resident ghosts, each with their own unique story to tell. Nice. One of the most well-known spectres is a Victorian stage manager whose apparition is said to roam the grand circle, and in the dress circle, a ghostly nun makes her presence known as an ethereal form gliding through the shadows. I never heard about the nun, but I did hear about the, um, what's his face? <gasps> yeah, is this why you've seen a ghost? I, ha- oh, well, right. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen a ghost, but I've had a ghostly experience Okay. in this one. So, her presence is known in the shadows, where the long-past soul of a former 1960s usher also keeps a vigilant watch. A distinguished Victorian gentleman holds court in the boxes and, as if that wasn't enough, eerie, disembodied voices and laughter can be heard filling the air inside the auditorium. There have been cold spots, unexplained touches from unseen hands, strange noises, mysterious dark shapes, footsteps walking across the stage and the haunting sounds of whistles and curtain ropes creaking in the wings. And what did you see? didn't see anything. But um, in that theatre... The footsteps thing, that was the thing that we, well, on the year that I did Cinderella, we would have rehearsals and obviously they had the talent who were the people who were like the stars and they would be practicing their things. But as sunbeams, we would have to practice separately for our dances and stuff with the choreographers and things that we were doing it with. Um, And so often we wouldn't be on the stage at the same time as them. So we would come back and forth or we'd have to sit and watch and wait for things um, but stuff would happen when you were waiting in certain places and you were, it was quiet and you could hear footsteps mm. like often walking around the back of you no um, and there was one time where so like at that theatre when you come out of the actual where the theatre is and all the seats and everything there's like a whatever you would call it foyer type area but it's quite wide and we used to sometimes practice out there and sit and one time we were sitting obviously this isn't when it's open it's during practice uh, time but we were sitting out on the sides there leaning against the road and we were all just eating a sandwich because we'd just been dancing and basically this it suddenly went absolutely ice cold mm. and then there was just footsteps oh like as if they were straight in front of you as if someone was walking oh through God. the thingy and everyone looked at each other and we all kind of were like oh it must have been upstairs but then also as kids we were all like it was a ghost and like ran off to go and tell everybody that it was a ghost it was pretty spooky especially seeing as it went cold yeah so that's weird reading this on here and then you saying because yeah. you've, you've not seen you've not seen this no i haven't but we did hear that i've definitely have heard about either the usher or, or what was the first one you said there was, was somebody a, who was a member of staff a victorian that, stage manager yeah they basically i did know about that one because they would tell us 1960s about 1960s usher they did tell us about that or somebody must have said it at some point so I've, i'd had heard that at that time but yeah footsteps definitely experienced those in that place but it's an old wow. building so then you kind of like as a as a person who always tries to find an ex- explanation for things, you're like, well, maybe it was upstairs or maybe it was thing, but it was really creepy. Oh, and yeah. the cold spell, that definitely is the thing that was like, ooh, tipped it over the edge. It wasn't just the footsteps on the stage or behind you on the seats. It was it was a full weird experience. I think it was a ghost. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> wow. Nestled at the vibrant junction of Charing Cross, Charing, Charing Cross, Charing Cross Road and Shaftesbury Avenue, the Palace Theatre stands out as a giant red brick edifice, boldly asserting its presence amidst the London cityscape. Mm -hmm. With a seating capacity of 1,400, very important figures these, spread across four levels, another important figure, the Palace Theatre proudly holds its position as one of the West End's larger venues. Its history dates back to 1891, making it the second oldest theatre on the street, having opened its doors just three years after the Lyric Theatre. Over the years, the Palace Theatre has hosted a diverse range of productions, from grand operas to captivating ballets, from light comedies to thought-provoking dramas. Brilliant. It has been the stage for some of the most renowned performers in the world, including Dame Judi Dench, Sir Ian McKellen, Dame Helen Mirren, and Jess Rose, author, <laughs> illustrator, and designer. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> and what did you perform there? 
So, Jess Rose. Well, there's a couple of London theatres and I couldn't remember all of them because I was young, which one it was. But I know they definitely performed here, but I can't remember if what I remember performing was at this one or at a different one. So I don't have as distinct a memory. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, it was like a dance show competition type thing. So basically various dance schools from across the country came together, all performing in one big show, basically. Oh, lovely. Like a variety that's show. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, so it's a big trip to London. Yeah, so like oh, all the different schools lovely. were like travelling down and performing there. But I'm pretty sure it was at that theatre. I definitely performed at that theatre. I have done some other dance show related things at some other London theatres but I couldn't remember but I do remember this one distinctly as a place that I have been but I can't remember the show's all merged it's okay it's a dance that's a nice story anyway like would you like to hear about some ghosts yeah from the 1950s onwards until the sold out success of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child <laughs> I was going to say something about you being Hermione but I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't think of it uh, two seats in the Palace Theatre remained permanently empty and bolted open reserved for two resident spirits these seats were not meant for human patrons they were the domain of theatrical apparitions one of these spectral occupants was the celebrated actor Ivan Novello several actors and theatre staff have recounted witnessing his apparition silently observing performances mm. from the dress circle The other resident ghost was a ballerina, believed by some to be Anna Pavlova, who made her sensational London debut at the Palace Theatre in 1910. Orbs of light have been reported emanating from darkened corners on the rear left side of the auditorium, followed by the hazy form of a female dancer, often identified as Pavlova herself. Delicious Pavlova. What is a Pavlova? It's like meringue with cream and fruit. But that little pavlova. That um, hazy form, that's Mm, nice, isn't it? Yeah, like a pavlova. Yeah. (laughs) Spirit pavlova. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Um, (laughs) Harrogate Theatre at 6 Oxford. (laughs) Oxford Street. (laughs) Oxford Street, Harrogate, North Yorkshire, Ingerland, is a grade two listed performance hall and theatre whose unique architectural identity lies in its designation as a full hemp house theatre. Its walls are constructed using hempcrete. Oh, wow. A composite material crafted from hemp shiv. Did not know this. In brackets, the inner woody part of the hemp plants (laughs) and a line binder. (laughs) so there there we have it now we know it's material notably the theatre deviates from the conventional design of stage doors instead personnel enter through the main entrance while a raised set of barn doors at the rear of the building facilitates the efficient load-in and load-out of sets and equipment over the years Harrogate Theatre has hosted a plethora of renowned performers including Sarah Bernhardt Charlie Chaplin uh, Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel Steve Harley, <laughs> Steve Harley in a distinctive four-man acoustic set, separate from Cockney Rebel, mind. Um, Andy Parsons, why did I put that in? Andy Parsons, <laughs> Andy Parsons, Trevor Howard, George Roby, Ellen Terry, Fat Swaller, Ken Dodd, Ben Kingsley. You know, like three this is read people. out from Wikipedia, isn't it? Ben Kingsley and Eddie Izzard, nice. and the multifaceted Jess Rose, no. known for her roles as an author, illustrator, and designer, and God. almost been for my I'm going to stop Harry coming Potter. on if you keep labelling me as if I have accolades. <laughs> This theatre's history dates back to its opening on January the 13th, 1900, marked by a charity performance dedicated to soldiers engaged in the Boer War. Boer? Boer War. Boer. Following this noble initiative, the venue hosted a series of performances, including Mr. J. Tully's pantomime, Dick Whittington, which you've been in. I have. Remarkably, Harrogate Theatre still retains many of its original front-of-house fixtures and fittings. My family used to go every single year for Christmas pantomime oh. at Harrogate Theatre. And I didn't used to go to all of them. I mean, maybe you did see me. I don't I don't know at what point. I didn't go to all of them, but my grandma was obsessed with going to this pantomime every single year. And I we didn't I didn't always go because it was that it was the mm. my uncle's side my mum's side of the family. Yeah. That used to meticulously go every year. Yeah. And just uh, the other year my grandma was adamant that we're all going. So I was like, and it was just when it was just when the COVID, some kind of COVID so restrictions like, 
but she was obsessed and I was like grandma we're all gonna get COVID and no and she was oh. like meh, meh, meh. it was just an obsession <laughs> and so we went and there was a new strain out oh, obviously yeah. I remember that Christmas and I hadn't been anywhere that packed for a long oh, time it's just stressful yeah and I contracted something oh, terrible no. like the worst illness and I haven't been the same since I didn't test positive for COVID but there was a bout of um tonsillitis going oh, around yeah so it probably it was probably that my throat was almost oh, closed up God. and I couldn't um for months I was no energy you know oh. and you just think you're gonna faint yeah, like it's yeah. all right I'm fine well I don't know I think I'm fine now but after that I've never oh. been the same after that yeah. ever since then my nerves haven't felt like they're attached to my body oh, weird. and I can't drink anymore whatsoever oh, if I God. drink it's just the nerves completely come away oh god <laughs> So that's Not my good. last big memory of Great. theatre. <laughs> wow, Harry really did a number on you. my life. <laughs> <laughs> For the worst. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it wasn't anything to do with the theatre. It was, um, it was something. COVID. Yeah, and blurred. just children, being around children yeah, with them. Yeah, they'll do that for you. Tonsillitis and things like that. Yeah. But the theatre itself is lovely. And it's it got is. a great atmosphere and it's quite, it's a bit dark and cosy. I was going to say, in comparison to like, like the Alhambra and the Grand Opera in York, like they're quite big theatres in the sense of like the space going into them. Whereas I'd say Harrogate's very petite, like it's everything's yeah. quite tight, and and there's a lot of like particularly if when you are in the theatre, obviously you do all the backstage stuff, and it is tight and packed anyway because everything, all the space should be at the front. But there's some that's more space than others. But Harrogate is tight, yeah, you can and catch even tonsillitis in there, <laughs> yeah, and the stairwells are really <laughs> narrow in comparison, and it's very windy, and it feels like a like yeah. And do you want to talk about your spooky experience before I tell about the ghost? Yeah, go on then. Um, so I was in Dick Whittington doing a performance of this. And again, the rehearsal space is upstairs, like in the attic. And when you rehearse in like drama spaces, normally they paint all the ground and the, su the surfaces black. So they are all a weird space anyway, then you're rehearsing. Why is that? So you can, I don't know, like I think it's so, I guess, yeah, they normally like markings on the floor and stuff that show where the spaces are so that you know what you're performing in before you're on the stage. But... Uh, there was a couple of there was two things that happened in that that winter of um, discontent. No, that winter <laughs> of Dick Whittington. So rehearsing upstairs, they would let us in, but it wouldn't always be someone up there. And I remember one day being in for rehearsal, and I was the first person to go upstairs and sit in the space. And I was sat just waiting for other people to came in, uh, come in, but I had I wasn't I, th I don't know what I was doing. I must have been maybe filling out a form or something. There was some reason that I was hunched over, so I had my back to the entrance, and I heard someone talk and as if they'd entered the room. And I turned around, there was no one there. And then, like probably ten minutes after that, somebody came in. But I remember thinking, like, I just where did I hit? Like that was weird. Was like, it a, a man's voice or a? It a was like, a, I think, you know, when you're hearing a voice, but you're not, you're not properly hearing, but it's like somebody enters and you're not, you're not paying attention yeah. enough that you are, you know, able to say like, oh, I know that person or it's a this. It was just, there was a voice that somebody said something as if they were in conversation with another person mm. coming into the room and then no one was there. So oh, yeah. that was weird. Um, and then later on, when we were actually in the production, so uh, in Dick Whittington, there's a whole thing with rats and the rat king. And as a sunbeam, we had to dress as we were the rats in one of the scenes. <laughs> so we were the Rat King's rats. So we had these rat costumes on and they were pretty epic, rat. to be fair, like proper full rat costume. Um, <laughs> but on this one particular scene, we had to go under the stage to come up through a trap door as the rats. And uh, I remember I was the back rat. So I was the rack at <laughs> the back of the pack. <laughs> Credits, back rat. Yeah, I was the rack. But you had a tail. So everybody had a tail on their rat costume. Anyway, we went forward to go out onto the thingy and everyone filed up into the thingy and someone pulled my tail. <gasps> oh, my God from behind oh, wow. and I remember being like thinking someone stood on it so I turned back around and nothing nothing was holding my tail but it was a full pull as in like Jesus. pulling me back and it back. wasn't caught in anything no there was nothing to be caught on like it was a small it space and it's a tail. narrow space but it wasn't like I turned around and there was nothing it was just hung on the floor the same as it had been so it was it was weird it's if it was if somebody Ooh, grabbed it because oh, as well it didn't drop it didn't drop as if someone was holding it so it was as if someone had grabbed it at the base of the tail where the costume was <laughs> to stop me from going on the stage it was very weird when, why do you think they were were they messing do you think if it was a ghost maybe or do you think they were trying to stop you from getting 
hurt and, and <laughs> Johnny. Oh, well, I'd like them to have helped me on the time when I was in Neil Lambert Dick Wellington when I fell on the stage in front of everybody. They could have stopped oh, me no. from going on the stage Why then. Did you fall? The ghost. Oh, little child Jess slipped, dressed as a giant card. Card. Like a you know, like a card on a um uh, like a pack of cards. <laughs> oh right, yeah, not a greetings card. <laughs> no, I don't. Nothing happened on the stage. It was all good. There was nothing bad, but it felt like someone pulled my tail. Someone pulled my tail. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That should be a new kids book. Someone pulled my tail. Pulled that would be good, tail. wouldn't it? That could be a sequel it to be No a Home rat. for a Ghost. Yeah. Back rat. Back rat. Back I was rat. back rat in Chat. the pack. <laughs> You should put that on your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back rat in pack at Dick Whittington Harrogate Theatre. Skills include nibbling. Your skills as a back rat. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Harrogate Theatre yeah. is not only renowned for its captivating performances, but also for its resident, 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 resident <laughs> very, very drunk and mysterious figure known as Alice. Ooh. Alice, she might have pulled your um, tail. Alice's spectral presence is said to haunt the theatre's stalls where visitors have reported encountering a range of eerie phenomena. Orbs of hovering light, sudden chills that run down the spine and the lingering scent of peppermint, mice don't like peppermint, have all been attributed to Alice's ethereal presence. Mm, she don't like rats. Maybe it's, it must be connected somehow. <laughs> the exact identity of Alice remains shrouded in mystery. Some believe she was an actress who graced the theatre's stage, while others suggest she was an usherette or perhaps even the theatre founder's romantic companion. <laughs> romantic. Uh, legend has it that Alice's heart was shattered after witnessing her beloved with another, with a prompting... With a, <laughs> it's probably a rat... And you reminded her of it, prompting her to pull the rat's tail, but also to take her own life by plunging from the theatre's balcony. God. Beyond the theatre's stalls, Alice's spectral presence has also been reported in the cellar, where disembodied footsteps echo through the dimly lit corridors. Her tormented spirit is said to remain tethered to the theatre, forever reliving the anguish of her unrequited love. Oh, poor Alice. But I wasn't a real rat. What she? <laughs> well, Don't pull my tail. Alice, I'm a child. <laughs> Leave me alone. But why is she in the cellar? Don't know. There always has to be a cellar. I don't think it's Alice in the cellar. Unless they took her body down to the cellar. I mean, it could be anything. What was before? You know, like, I always find it funny with ghosts that we always like, it's always like a Victorian. Yeah. Where ultimately, if people have died since the beginning of time, then the people should be cavemen and other things. So anybody could have been pulling my tail. <laughs> What's that meme? Where could have been a chav from like 2001. Yeah. There's that <laughs> meme, isn't there, saying, why is it always a Victorian girl yeah. and not someone shouting, it's Britney <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll get your rat out. <laughs> well, get, get your rat out. <laughs> or shouting bus <laughs> at people at the bus stop. <laughs> Um, when I I went on a uh, I went on a tour around Bradford Courts once. Ooh. It was it was run by retired policemen, and it was it, the, so. There's a police museum there. Bradford mm-hmm. City Hall is a police museum there, and they took us around the Bradford Old Courts. Nice. And it was sort of a semi ghost tour as well because one of the retired policemen had written a book about Chains Charlie, mm-hmm. who is supposed to be a ghost that haunts the cells around Bradford. Oh, right. Um, Bradford Courts. And because there's some video footage online, you can probably see it. And there's a figure walking up and down the stalls Ooh. on this CCTV, like a like a faded figure. Yeah, but still. And they say it's Chains Charlie, who was an inmate from something like Victorian times. It's the Bradford Courts. Where is that? It's where the town hall is. Oh, I've been in there. Have you? Yeah, I had uh, actually from doing that Dick Whittington. They brought all the sunbeams to have um, dinner with the mayor. Ooh. Yeah. How cool. cool. Did you get to touch his medallion? No. I don't even remember it. <laughs> That's oh. how good it was. How memorable it was. I think how it was you know what happened? Because it did. Because I remember the building and I remember going in the building. Oh, I remember right. like being with all the other kids, but I don't remember like the meal. Well, it was a strange experience. <clears throat> it was strange. Like it's... That's horrible though that it would like the shadowy figure. Yeah, but... <laughs> so they thought it was a, a, a figure from mm. like at least 100 years ago. But to me, it looked like a female. It didn't look oh. like a man to me. It looked like a fe- it looked like a drunk female. Oh, right. And I was like, why can't it be the ghost of someone from yeah. 2002? Like, yeah. 
because it did look to me. Like I mean, ultimately, female. if ghosts are real, then they should be all everywhere at all times. Like oh, you know, yeah. they don't just they don't just happen because it was more spooky if they're wearing a corset and a crinoline. Yeah. I guess it just adds to the dark narrative, it does, doesn't it? Doesn't but to it? Me, and it I think it ghost like stories were a Victorian, like you know, yeah. at Christmas Eve they would tell ghost stories. So ultimately, it's a spooky era, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and like you say, it's more interesting ghosts that are linked to the present. Probably that's creepy. Maybe. Maybe they have less... Uh, it's not a, such a hard life, is it? You're not getting, like, yeah. majority not dying. Maybe in horrible, like, you know, countries where their lives are more crap, maybe the ghosts are more tormented and the yeah. more modern ghosts. But I guess now, often, majority of people die in a normal-ish... That's true, actually. ...kind of way, rather yeah. than such less... horrendous... Yeah. ...trapped in a cotton mill. Yeah, and I've thought, <clears> I've thought of that, actually. Emotions are different. Mm. Although there'll probably be a lot of ghosts after COVID and the, uh, the like, all the God. trauma that we're all going through as a world, there'll just be like any ghosts from 2020s. They'll be everywhere. 2016 onwards. Yeah. It's just it's just suddenly rife awful. with ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, I I don't want to. Um, I feel like there's a lot of anxiety around the news nowadays because mm. you're bombarded with it. Oh, yeah. And I I think that's the problem. I don't, I don't mean to say that it. we're not trying to say no. yes, the world is ending, are we? No. But at the same time, just can feel a bit overwhelming yeah. sometimes. And and I think like so, you say, please don't lose hope. No. <laughs> and it's just it's just because as people now we've got we've got access to information way more than you did before. Yeah. Um, and so 2016 was the year. That's when all the celebrities died. <laughs> That's when uh, yeah. it was probably the beginning of probably a big bout of tribalism, wasn't it? And it hasn't yeah. really died down, has it? As no, we... but it will because there's yeah. peaks and flows in the world. So that's what I mean. I don't, yeah, anyway. Probably going on about a bit too much, but... <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, everything's all right. cheery. <laughs> and it's, it's got Christmas. a Christmas tree up. Christmas tree. It's amazing. I did that today. Looks epic. I just want more decorations, but they won't fit. Well, I want you should more. just get a second tree. I went to Salt's Mill and Saltaire last mm. week with my friend, and I just had to stop myself. Oh, so many so things to buy. If anybody to... ever travels to Saltaire, Salt's Mill has got the best bookshop. Yeah. And just such a lovely place. Ugh, lovely. They've got a really nice vintage and antique oh, yeah, jewelry shop as well. Oh, so good. And we went around there. So I was really like, good. oh, God. I thought if I Such ever get into a position where I feel really flush, you're off there. I'm going to treat myself. Yeah. So, last, I think the last time you were on this podcast, or I don't mm. know if it was the last time, the time before, you told me a spooky story about something you'd experienced in relation to Leeds Bradford Airport. Oh, yeah. Do you want to briefly retell it? You'd have to tell. You'd have to say it like you did last time. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, when I was a child, uh, I was travelling along the road, and from a bit which you're coming over, like a little ridges, you can see the t- like kind of the top of what is it like an industrial <clears throat> what like warehouse? It looks like a massive kind of yeah corrugated metal uh, building. It's huge, but originally it, I don't know if it still keeps the planes in it as the airport uh... or if it. It was anyway at know. that time. It was basically the place where they would keep the planes and when they weren't on them, yeah, running off to different countries <laughs> as <Yeah>. planes do. <laughs> um, and it was coming over the top of that with my mum in the car, and I just said to her, "Oh, where are all of the trees and the cows and the things that were on top of there?" And my mum was like, "What are you on about?" And I remember, like, I have the memory of saying that to my mum, but I don't have the memory of what I must have had as a child of seeing them image on top of there but I do remember having this conversation with my mum and my mum was just like what are you talking about in fact I think my dad was in the car we were all together and then they were just like that hasn't been on the top of there since the war and ultimately what it had been is obviously when they were building planes and probably other things during the war they had painted over the tops of that building uh, trees and cows to make it if any Germans or anybody was flying over, it would look like a field rather than it looked like an actual plane where place where planes would be and somewhere to bomb. And f- for whatever reason, tiny little me had some sort of weird memory of that. So yeah, that Odd. was that story. So I wonder Odd. if it was a time slip, you'd gone past it yeah. and seen a time slip or, you'd, or you had a reincarnation thing going on. Uh, but my friend Fiona, I've known her since I was 11, and she's an air traffic controller mm-hmm. at Leeds Bradford Airport. Ah. And she listened to your story, and she 
she sent she sent something in response to what you said, okay. and then she also told me a ghost um, a doorstep ghost story oh. about Leeds Bradford Airport. So in response to your story, she said this: "Your friend was right." It's you, Jess. <laughs> your friend was right. She's talking a- about the. Ca- <laughs> I need to start that again. Right. <clears throat> your friend was right about the cows. <laughs> I'm so excited. Tell me what I was right about. What am I right about? I love being right. (laughs) Ah, Your friend was right about the cows and sheep on top of the hangar. That's where they built Lancaster bombers and they put grass and stuff on top and moved them around to confuse the enemy. The enemy being Adolf Hitler. Not the collective Germans. They can't be held. Wholly responsible. For those in power at the time. (laughs) Uh, They moved them around to confuse the enemy. That it was just a field. Nice. How weird. That is weird. Well, obviously, you were told that. But yeah. she was like, yeah, that's a second person who said. That's and she weird. knows because she's like an airport expert. Well, that's amazing. So that's cool. I like that she sent me that. Thanks, Fiona. Uh, it was an interesting message to receive. But what I like most about this message is that she signed it off with a short sentence that read, The airport has a ghost. <laughs> And you were like, tell me more. <laughs> Does it sound like Danny Robbins then? We did, yeah. The airport has a ghost. That's what he'd say. <laughs> so I was like, tell me about the ghost. Yeah. Don't just stand there. Just type type the airport ghost story to me now. Now. And she said, uh, she did tell me about the ghost. So I'll read about what she said <coughs> back. Cough, cough. Sorry. And I checked with her beforehand that I wasn't revealing any top secret internal airport office layout by reading Gosh. this message out okay, in its entirety fine. so any airport or my mum used to work there so i wonder if she? she knows about it <gasps> maybe you could ask her yeah well let's go yeah so it's fine i'm allowed to say this nice. i've had permission to relate the tale as it was sent to me but anyway this is what she said about the leeds bradford airport ghost in her own words i can't remember if they called him hector or horace <laughs> in brackets classic ghost name he was meant to be a guy that died in a light aircraft crash He was often seen down in baggage reclaim, but I think I saw him once. Behind the check-in desks in Hall A, there's a walkway that contains all the offices. I was walking past one day towards the end of my shift, and there was a man stood in one of the offices, casually leaning against the filing cabinets, wearing a really thick red Aaron-style jumper. Is it Aaron? Aaron? I think so, yeah. Noticing that he wasn't in uniform, I assumed he was perhaps a passenger who'd wandered up there to a place he shouldn't be. So I stepped back to look into the office again, but he'd totally vanished. I definitely didn't imagine him. I think I also saw someone in the Jet 2 office. When I was working a night shift, I'd go for a walk around the darkened office. One night, the motion-sensitive ceiling lights were coming on before I'd even reached them in order to set them off. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're doing films. Mm-hmm. I know this could have just been the electrics playing up, but again, I saw a man sat hunched over one of the desks, working away. Mm. When I looked back and walked further down the office again, there was no one there. Ooh. Those are good stories, though. Fiona, she, she said that when she first saw the airport ghost when he was leaning against the filing cabinets, she said he looked as though he was just having a casual chat. Like, she couldn't hear him speaking, but it was like he was appearing to her from within a moment in time when oh, he was genuinely weird. interacting with maybe colleagues from the past. a tiny, place in that airport. Well, maybe. that's Yeah, this is why maybe. these stories... Just like, yeah. I thought I'd read this out, obviously, because it's cool to have a ghost story from the airport. But Well, my mum must have worked there in the, like, 1960s. Mm. So I will uh, ask her if she... But she worked around, like, the baggage and the passport control, or whatever that was at that time in that space. She told me another story, too, which is unrelated to the airport, and it's quite a sensitive subject matter about her granddad when he was in his final days being looked after mm. in Erdale Hospital, which is a hospital just outside of Keithley, and it's, it's our local hospital. It is. I was born there. Were you? My, no, my youngest child was born there. Then. Where were you born? I was born in Bradford Royal Infirmary. One of the few that survived. <laughs> there was a bit of a problem, I think, was when there? The, around the time that I was born, yeah, they had an infant, uh, like, oh, no. baby, inf- what's it called? Survival. It, was, it wasn't that. It was like just that. literally babies being born. Like, they were just not, or there was a like, very low Aww. number of babies that kept, like, not surviving. Um, so, yeah. But I'm I was glad you survived. And me too. So this story is about her granddad who passed away there. So if any listeners want to stop at this point, please be aware the subject matter will be quite sad. 
not I guess we've talked about a lot of sad things haven't yeah. we? <laughs> anyway this is Fiona's story about the last days of her granddad short I have another story about when my granddad passed away when I'm certain we were visited by someone from the other side although it wasn't me who saw them it was him he had just had major heart surgery and was in a single room in intensive care so we were allowed to go and visit him he was doing okay, but he was an old boy who'd had intrusive surgery. All the time we were there, he was pulling and pushing himself up on the bars at the side of the bed. Bearing in mind he'd just had his surgery, he was doing this quite aggressively. He was telling all of us who were with him in the room that there was a young lad stood in the corner, beckoning. Throughout his time, he persisted in telling us, there's a young lad in the corner with a flat cap on and he wants you, he's calling to you. We, however, couldn't see anyone at all. When we left the hospital that day, there were no indications to suggest we wouldn't be seeing him again, but sadly he died during the night. I'm now certain that the young lad who was beckoning to my granddad was wanting him, not us, to go with him, and that in fighting against the bars of his bed, he was fighting not to go. He wasn't scared or anything, he was just adamant there was someone standing in the corner trying to get people's mm-hmm. attention. Oh, that's very sweet. But with a flat cap as well. I know. That's like, I wonder who that was. Yeah. Who could it have been? I mean, maybe, maybe it was a younger him. But I was going to say maybe himself or someone from his past. But that's sad. It is lovely. He wasn't on his own. No. Someone was with him, isn't yeah. it? Or maybe maybe that person helped him cross over. Yeah. But thanks, Fiona. Thanks for sending yeah, that in. Yeah, that's a lovely one. Uh, Fiona's one of my oldest friends. I've known her since I was 11, so I've just said that to you. But uh, I never met a granddad. only saw pictures of him. But mm. uh, he lived just a couple of streets up from Fiona, so I don't know why I didn't see him. But he seemed like uh, a man who really looked after his family. Yeah. So I'm glad. Whoever the young boy was, I hope he looked after him when it was that's time nice. to go. Um, I was going to say, we should do uh, an episode one time about like hospitals and also like you know like crossover periods of time when people die because i've got stories from that you have what personal things uh well my mum particularly oh yes does she want to come on this do you think she would maybe maybe i'll bring her ask her Um, yeah bring her but she's had lots of weird things happen like that like weird situations and stuff and yeah Maybe you could like, ask her and then yeah, either she maybe. can come on here or you can write them down and tell you tell them. Yeah, maybe I, I could record her and then yes, um, I could recite what she says if she can't come. But yeah, but she's got a few where she's like had periods of time and things at the point of people. And my dad used to work in a hospital on a stroke ward and I know he's got some spooky experience because a lot of people would pass, because there were a lot of people who were on the ward were old. Yeah. A lot of people would pass over and they'd have weird experiences in hospitals and stuff like that. So Yeah, get your get your mum and dad on. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Oh, you're very welcome. It's good. always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to more hospital stories. <laughs> yeah. Really good. That can be our next one. My cat has been she snoring is a little bit. Fully living in her best life. Yeah. It's making me want to get in bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> She's all cozy and comfy and just cold. She, um, meow, meow, meow. just cat formations are the mm. most satisfying cat formations, mm. aren't they? Like that one is, what is that? That's like That's the upside... curl up chin head yeah. combo. Sort of upside I down. I like it when they look like a loaf of bread, you know, <laughs> and their body, they're just straight front and then they yeah. took all their feet and you can't see their feet and then they just yeah. stick their head like on the bed or wherever they are and it's just like fully absorbed into the duvet. Apparently that's when they're, oh yeah, yeah, so that's not quite loafing, is it? Is that something else when they're like, oh maybe, I don't know, but that is a loaf, isn't it? Apparently I mean, they still look a like a loaf. Yeah, they're supposed to be, if they're a loaf, that means they're 100% content, oh, nice. apparently. I mean, yeah. she looks 100% content right now. <laughs> oh, yes, you know oh, we're look. talking about you. Hide her shades. She's been, um, oh, she found them. Oh, she's got this new, all the toys I bought her. The thing she loves the most is some, like, you know, so in my bedroom I've got like a little sofa and I have a blanket mm. over it and like, you know those long polystyrene cylinders you push yeah. down the sides to yeah. keep the throw in place? Yeah. She's dug two of those out nice. and she goes absolutely wild for it. <laughs> she picks it up like a dog in a mouth. Amazing. And starts screaming. <laughs> like, absolutely screaming like this garbled scream. And I... <laughs> You sort of, and then she drops it at your feet, but like you throw it and she chases it, but doesn't That's really. Hilarious. She just, I don't know what it is. She's presenting it 
to you. But that's I used the to thing have a pet rat that used to do that with a doorstop. Oh, really? Like a, a rubber doorstop. Is and it he'd like a... run over to the doorstop and he'd carry the doorstop in his mouth <laughs> like a dog and bring it back to me and then squeak at me like, <laughs> for me to throw it. <laughs> it was oh, so weird. Really? And it had to be the doorstop. It was the doorstop. Only the doorstop. Why. Didn't do it. I didn't know you had a pet rat. Yeah. What's his name? Tatty. Oh. He went to uni with me. And he'd sit really? in my. I had a hoodie, and he used to sit in my little armbit of the hoodie while I was like writing my dissertation and stuff. Mm. He was lovely. It was like like a mini cat. Don't tell Alice about that. Oh, I know. Very rat themed. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not like. I don't know why everything in my life is now looking like I'm into rats. I love rats. Rats are supposed to be lovely pets. Oh, they're I've never such had one. good pets. Rats are cool. Rats seem to enjoy the interaction with they humans. Do. Well, they're very like a cat. They love to like rub of the chin and the stroke and the cuddle, mm. and they're very affectionate. And they're very clean. This morning, she, the cat got, um, it was half four in the morning. She was sick. Oh, no. She was sick. She was sick. And then I was like, oh, so I had to clean up the sick. And then I thought, oh, I'll have to feed her then because she'll want feeding now. She started running downstairs like, <laughs> Yeah, even though. I've got space no, now. No, it's not for another an hour and a half, but never mind. Um, and then she got the foam cylinder like oh, nice. 20 minutes after. She started screaming just as I'd gone to bed with it. And no. I could could hear it sliding she'd obviously got it in her mouth and it was sliding along the wall like oh, a horror no. film like, Shh, like this like coming. Thing. <laughs> oh god oh dear nice anyway well i will return good <laughs> please do i shall thanks for listening everyone and for letting jess and i inject a bit of theatrical soul into your day i hope you found these ghosts to be good ones and that you were suitably entertained by them Long live theatres and all who haunt them, and may their power forever compel you to never take for granted that the ghost of Thespians past aren't still seeking applause for one spinal. <laughs> <laughs> for one spinal spooky encore. Nice. Or a rat tail. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Bye. 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 I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was good.